Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who knows the value of an away goal. <laughs> His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, I do indeed. I know it all the more so from today's uh, round of games. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, in the end, mm-hmm. um, we're going to review Liverpool Atletico yep. first. In the end, Atletico didn't actually go through an away goals, right? Yeah. They straight up won. Yes. So, we're going to get into that. Liverpool's magnificent uh, early performance, and then... What happened next? <laughs> I'm still sort of confused by everything that happened from Atletico Liverpool. Really, everything that's going on with the Champions League right now is all very confusing. It but- sure is, because we're also going to talk uh, PSG mm-hmm. versus Dortmund. That was then weird. we're going to look back at maybe uh, Leipzig Spurs mm-hmm. and Atalanta Valencia. Very briefly. And all the all the uh, the rumours that are going mm-hmm. around right now that maybe this is the last we've seen of the Champions League for a little while. We shall see. We, we shall see. see. Yeah, we'll get to that later on. But right now, let's start with... I guess happier topics if you're a fan of Atletico Madrid. I mean, 90-something minutes of happiness if you're a Liverpool fan. There's that. All right. I doubt that will matter as much <laughs> in the long run. So here's how we watch these games. Mm-hmm. We were separate. We were. Right? I watched Liverpool Atletico mm-hmm. intently. You watched PSG Dortmund intently. Mm-hmm. I had Liverpool Atletico on the iPad. Oh, did you? <laughs> in front of me, You double-screened yes. it? Yes. I can't, I can't double-screen. I can't I, do it. I, I, do, I end I up make... watching like, the middle point in between them. <laughs> you just split the difference? Yeah. Um, I, what I tend to do is I'll look at the other one i made like uh i made psg dortmund my primary focus but you know how often like if you start skipping through you can just say like oh there's a stoppage oh there's another stoppage yeah, yeah. basically if i knew there was a long stoppage i would go down and check for like 15 seconds and come back but uh and then once it became clear to me right around the beginning of the second half that dortmund were not going to pull that one back yeah i started to focus a bit more on liverpool's game tnt chose correctly they did it turns they out did. it turns out but i'm going to be leaning on you for mm-hmm. the uh, psg dortmund review i shall do my best today okay here's my take on liverpool atletico sure Liverpool lost, mm-hmm. right, on the night. <laughs> That's your take. And overall. But <laughs> You're correct. they did everything right. They really they did. They got everything right until that Alisson um, uh, miscue. I might take issue with the everything just to say that they could have put this game away. There's the Andy Robertson header that like somehow hit the underside of the bar but yeah. still didn't go in. Salah had a couple chances. There were some decent chances. that <laughs> Mane had several bikes. He had several <laughs> bikes. He had multiple bicycle chances. The first one better than the second. He was, but, like he was visiting a big city and using the city bikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I guess there is an occasion where you might fall off one of those scooters yeah. or those bikes. And here Salah <laughs> failed to connect with both. But I, I think Liverpool, if they finished a couple more chances, obviously they go through. That might be the only real negative I have to say about them. Here's the big point, though. Yeah. They had all those chances. They did. Because what we saw in the first leg, mm-hmm. which Atletico won 1-0 at home, is they did the Diego Simeone dance yep. at Atletico, where you have the tight 4-4-2 block and you don't let teams through. And Liverpool essentially tried to keep passing, keep creating, mm-hmm. keep moving the ball around, tried to open something up. All the movement was for naught because yep. Atletico's defence wouldn't move, mm-hmm. right? So hosting the game at Anfield... Liverpool had a plan, yeah. and the plan was we're not going to do the same again and expect different results. We are going to do, I'm going to say, three different things. Okay. One, we're going to cross. They banged in cross after cross after cross after cross, which is something they would not normally do, right? Two, we're going to get George, George Wijnaldum mm-hmm. to crash the box. Like mm-hmm. Every time Liverpool got forward, instead of just staying in midfield, like he did, um, or like midfielders did in the first leg, he would get in there, he would be like alongside Firmino, he would be an extra target in the box. Yep. Three, we're going to let Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain unleash shots from distance. Yep. Doesn't matter if he keeps pulling him wide. We're going to let him shoot from distance. And in those three ways, we will threaten Atletico in a way that we couldn't before. 
and it worked. It did. They were two 0 up at one point. They were. Oh, <laughs> uh, would you would you agree also that it wasn't just Ox with the license issue? Because I felt like I saw some Trent Alexander Arnold shots from distance yes, as well. Yes, I think that's I think that's fair. Which that's makes fair. sense because he's fairly accurate with that yep. right foot, and it did feel like everybody was kind of primed for if we're going to shoot from dis- distance, then everybody crashed the box as yeah. soon as Oxley Chamberlain would wind up or Trent Alexander Arnold would. You would see Liverpool players already making those runs, making sure they were on side again, mm-hmm. doing their jobs, but not quite converting on a couple of occasions. And before we get into the goals, there's one other major tactical tweak that I saw, which was um, the right centre mid, which was mostly Oxlade-Chamberlain, mm-hmm. had licence to essentially go and double up on the right wing, overload that right side with Trent Alexander-Arnold, sometimes with Salah, and sometimes it let Salah go mm-hmm. in the middle, so they had even more numbers in the box, and you've got, obviously, one of your most dangerous strikers in the box at that point. So here's my question, then, and maybe this goes to the goals. Yeah. Um, because, like, for everything that Liverpool did... They are able to find a way through against that Atletico defense that was so threatening in the first leg, that was so problematic for them in the first mm-hmm. leg. Was it what? Do you think the variety of the attacking approaches is what allowed Liverpool to find a breakthrough? Do you feel like they did anything in particular to target was, Atleti? I think it was a willingness to take risks. Okay. Essentially, they were willing to throw numbers forward. That makes normally, sense. Liverpool are not willing to just launch across into the box and risk getting counterattacked. Yeah. It's normally much more controlled. And I think the smart thing that is essentially a Klopp or the coaching staff decision is. Mm-hmm. We can't control this game and find our way through in a controlled way. We're going to have to roll the dice by sending numbers in, sending crosses in, taking low percentage shots just to make it a bit more chaotic and make something happen. Yeah. And I think that was the correct gamble because, again, they, they scored a couple of goals. Yeah, I think, I think it's like it's – I don't mean for this to sound so like nitpicky. I agree with everything you said. I would extend it to like – but they still were like, we'll shoot this time when we wouldn't have shot last time. But let's not send too many numbers forward. Like they were still very mindful of yeah, I mean, still smart, threat. Right, yeah. yeah, but, it, but I, I'm with you that I think you saw more risks being taken, but like marginal risks. And then I think once yeah. they absolutely have to get two goals, that's when there are many more risks and, then and that's were, when they're more exposed. Then there were too many risks taken. And yes. Yeah, then you start conceding. Then exactly. you start leaking. Do you want to talk mm. about the first goal? Let's do it. Um, okay, so it is um, in the mm-hmm. – I don't have the minutes written down in front of me, so I'm going to store for a little bit. It's in the 43rd minute. Of course there. it is. Um, it's that Giorgio Ronaldo. That's my one first half note from the Liverpool Atletico Madrid game. <laughs> um, it's my Giorgio Ronaldo header, mm-hmm. um, and it is an Oxley Chamberlain overload yep. down the right side. He gets released down the right side. He crosses. Wijnaldum arrives late in the box, and Atletico essentially they're there, mm-hmm. but they're almost not aware that Wijnaldum is coming. Yes, uh, and I think it's because they're so preoccupied with the numbers Liverpool have committed, especially in that area, that Atleti drop maybe a couple more yards than they should. And I think yeah. this game was a good example of if you give Liverpool a little bit of space, if you slack off a little bit, they will exploit that and find a goal. And Atletico, for their part, if you give them an opportunity to counterattack on you, they will take that opportunity. I think to go to our earlier point about the kind of varied approach from this one, from what I saw, from what I remember of it at least, I remember Oxley chamberlain making more of an underlapping run than an overlapping run because Liverpool already have numbers committed wide. And I felt like that stood out to me because, oh, this is a thing they didn't do last game. They yeah. didn't keep Oxley chamberlain back and kind of keep the ball moving. Well, you wouldn't, they wouldn't risk having one of the central midfielders go all exactly. the way out yeah. wide mm-hmm. because then you lack the numbers in the middle, which is part of Liverpool's sort of yeah. um, excellent defensive record. Is about having three centre mids there all the time and you do not pass. And yeah. Gandolf-esque. But because... <laughs> but because nicely done. But because... 
in this situation, Oxley Chamberlain makes that like underlap. He gets into that space. I think that's why Atleti are now sort of scrambling backwards a bit more than they would be otherwise. Because last week he wasn't able to find the t- the time and space to be able to put that ball in. Mm-hmm. Now he has. We have a debt with that. So everybody retreat a little bit, and then Genie uh, when all them is there to Genie uh, when Adam, direct that, that header. Uh, I believe it's Genie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jorginho, Genie. I don't know who knows. I'll go Georgie. I don't know why. I, I, I heard that before. I was confused. Is that is that not what people call him? Um, maybe they do. We'll find out. It's what I call him. That's okay. what I call him. All right. So he was. A Genie with the way he appeared and uh, gave Liverpool fans hope, I guess. <laughs> he sure was. 1-0 to Liverpool mm-hmm. um, at halftime. Good header, too. Down and low, was, but then yeah. bouncing up. It's good. Yeah. It works. A bit of a glance on it as well, yep. right, to, to give it a bit of a direction. Um, 1-0, yep. halftime. Mm-hmm. Liverpool keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. I wish I had more um, nuanced tactical things to say, but it essentially was. Keep the crosses coming, mm-hmm. keep the shots from distance coming, keep the wide overloads coming, and eventually we will find a way through. They didn't in normal time, but I really had faith that um, a goal was coming in extra time. And it didn't feel weird when Roberto Firmino scored in the 94th minute, no. four minutes into extra it, time. It, it felt, felt like, inevitable. Yeah, right? it felt like they, they should have taken their opportunities in, in the second half before we go into uh, extra time. But now that we're in extra time, they had the momentum. They've been building. They're at home. You can feel them kind of growing into this game. Yeah, they're 2-0 up. They're going through. Congratulations to Liverpool. I almost like like not literally switched off, but sort of was like, all right, I'll kind of like passively done, right? pay attention to it's this. Done. That was not the case. Uh-uh. Should we get through this goal? Let's do it. Uh, let's talk through this goal. So um, here's, I think this supports my theory of having the right centre mid mm-hmm. um, uh, do, do an overload on the right-hand side because once uh, Milner came on for Oxley chamberlain they reshuffled the midfield and Wijnaldum went from left centre mid to right centre mid. And now he's doing the Oxley chamberlain role and he's um, overloading that right side. Mm-hmm. And it's Wijnaldum that gets the, the cross in that Firmino meets. It is. Literally a minute before, it's Wijnaldum overhitting a header to across uh, for, for Firmino who can't quite get ahead to it. Is that right? And so I, and, a pattern of play here. Yeah, right? and in yeah. that moment I was like, oh, like that was it. That was another chance that maybe mm-hmm. they weren't sharp enough. And then literally a minute later it happens again. This time, still not that sharp because it comes off the post. <laughs> but then Firmino scores. Credit to Wijnaldum as well. He sort of skips over Lodi in the build-up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I mean, oh, he gets him on the halfway line. It's a, it's a huge it's part. It's almost like he's a, an NFL player and he hurdles the yeah, tackle. Yeah, but it's a huge part of where this goal comes from is is watching it again it's the one time that Atleti do have some numbers forward they're a little bit stretched yeah but when when Autumn on the sideline it looks for all the world like okay he's gonna have to cut this back and play it backwards that he does that little lift and then run around and then keeps the ball in play I think all of Atleti are caught out and that's again you have a lot of collapsing defenders yep. and that buys Firmino the time and space for when he goes to meet this header Atleti have just retreated a little bit too far they can't make as good of a play on it as, as they would have liked do we credit Firmino with just being first to react when his header hits the post as well he seems to me like a little faster on his feet than Savage and Felipe. I mean, I think it goes right back to him, and he sort of was like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> so you're saying there's a little bit of luck there. I mean, it's, it's definitely... Maybe he aimed it at that part of the post. Sure. He was like, oh, they'll bounce back straight. It's definitely, <laughs> uh, like, instinct. In that moment, like, I, yeah. I am sure that he wasn't like, oh, here is the ball. I will now place it back into the net. It's like, oh, like, ball. And then it's in. <laughs> like, that, that's all it takes, though. If, like, you can read that in a half second if you're that good of a player. So at this point... I was ready to and come in And I know that because I never was, so I could never do that. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> mm-hmm. give yourself some more credit. Um, I was ready to come in here and sort yeah. of talk about how this was a Klopp masterclass. It was a Liverpool in front of the cup at Anfield masterclass, right? The crowd was behind them, which mm-hmm. is an increasingly rare thing in the Champions League. We'll talk about that in our second game, right? It really looked like the narrative would be... Oh, I think you meant the cup being behind Liverpool. I was like, has something happened? You no, mean, I mean fans being a, there at all? There's a lot gotcha. of games happening in empty uh-huh. stadiums because England hasn't enforced that yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. Yes. <laughs> um, it seemed fortunate for Liverpool that they had, the, they had the crowd behind them. It really did give them a lift. And then it all falls apart. Yeah. In the 97th minute mm-hmm. when Trent Alexander-Arnold sends a perfectly good mm-hmm. back pass yeah. to Adrian in goal. 
And then Adrian fluffs it. He sends it right to Jao Felix. Jao Felix steps up Michael Llorente and Llorente puts it in the bottom corner. Yes. What was Adrian doing here? Well, I will back it up to say that at this point it's 2-0. I'm not going to say the cliche about 2-0, but I do think you see part of where that idea comes from in this goal. That Adrian, my guess, is looking for Gigi Wijnaldum, who is sort of open on the right flank, but like around midfield. And I think he's looking for sort of a bending ball that will stay in bounds, but kind of loft in, maybe allow uh, Wijnaldum to contest it, but maybe just place him in, who knows. And I think he just mishits it. But I do wonder if 2-0 up, I'm just going to go for this, as opposed to like the lightning focus you might have otherwise. He must know that one goal kills them right because they're actually only 2-1 up on aggregate and if they concede an away goal it's 2-2 and they're losing I understand right? why you say that I, I honestly don't know because in the moment if you're in that situation you might be like 2-0 up we got this we're cruising you're still high I'm on Firmino's like, goal I want maybe. an assist for one of them I'm not even <laughs> saying it was necessarily that but just if nothing else how slack Adrian was from start to finish in this sequence mm-hmm. is really really confusing or noteworthy in my mind, or maybe both. Well, before we get to what he does next, so mm-hmm. you think he's going for Wijnaldum? I think so. If, if you look at where the ball's going, mm-hmm. it, you could make an argument that he's trying to bend it around yeah. Correa and into the feet of Jordan Henderson. Mm-hmm. And if he was trying to pull that off, then that was a very, very high-risk pass yes. that he was going for. And unnecessary So, so much so that I, I can't believe that that's what he's trying. That's why I believe your Wijnaldum yeah. theory more. The other possibility is he really was just trying to blast it long mm-hmm. and completely scuffs it. Yeah, I, th- I do think that's probably... It's it's a combination of those two, I think. It's aiming for Wijnaldum, but at worst, it's a 50-50 ball, 70 yards up the field. And I think, again, if you watch the replay from behind the goal, you do see him like put his hand up very quickly. This is, this is way too much analysis, but I'm fine with it. All I'm saying is Henderson was, like, if, if I am from Adrian's perspective, Henderson was on his left. He would wave with his left hand. So I feel like that he waved to the right side is him saying, like, my bad to okay. Wijnaldum. Or maybe just my bad to the entire right side because it was that bad of a pass. Well, here's my analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get apologizing for a bad play. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. But I do it after the play's dead. Yeah. I don't do it while a very expensive young Portuguese attacker has yeah. the ball. You don't or, double and then triple down. I yeah. don't even do it when Marco Llorente has the Mm-mm. ball. <laughs> right? Mm-mm. Because I, I'm not saying it's all to blame for him being sort of having his footing all wrong as the Llorente shot comes. But it certainly didn't help that he took a second to stop and wave an apology, right? No, I, 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 I think it is massively. You all in on this? Okay. Yeah, because I think, again, it speaks to the kind of lack of focus in that moment. If it's 1-0 and you are trying to hold on to make it to extra time, I think you're just a little bit tighter. You're a little bit sharper. You're not sort of worried about like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. My bad. Like you can tell that he doesn't really see it as a threat until the shot has has been Mm -hmm. taken because to your point, he makes that play or he makes the kick or doesn't. Then it's sort of slowly backpedaling as Jao Felix collects the ball, plays it in really quickly to Llorente. Then he's got the hand in the air. And by the time like uh, Llorente is shooting, he's getting his feet set, but he's midair as the shot is taken. That's why there's no dive, right? There's no no dive because he can't because he's already in midair. Because, like, in that situation, if you can imagine when both your feet are off the ground, as soon as they land and you're trying to move, it's almost like the Scooby-Doo situation of, of like, <laughs> you're, like, if you're running in midair and you land, you're not going to get nearly as good of traction as just launching. So that's why he can't really make a play on it. But I think three, three distinct mistakes in there lead to uh, Atleti now being in a much stronger position. Okay, so now Liverpool know they, they have to score. Because right? away goal rules and extra time are stupid, but yes. It's kind of unfair, it really right? Is. So Atletico have an extra mm-hmm. 30 minutes to score, to score away goals. I, every time I look this up and I think, oh, that doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. But MLS has changed it. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The world leader in soccer? Yep, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the league, I, league of choice. I tweeted this. Some people responded like, well, it's a reward for making it last that long. My, my feeling is like, fine, then we should play... 
uh, 30 minutes of extra time after the first leg, regardless of the result. <laughs> it's 7 0. It's like you never know what's going to happen. We got to get those 30 minutes in. Then you balance it out. That's the way to do it. Okay. I mean, so Liverpool fans probably won't want to hear this, but I feel mm-hmm. like we should at least go through yeah. the, uh, the other two goals that Atletico score. If Liverpool fans don't want to hear this and either want to turn it off or skip forward, I just want to reiterate that I agree with your initial point that it really is Liverpool played well and then Adrian had a very bad mistake, they series made, of mistakes. They made good choices, mm-hmm. executed an excellent game plan, yeah. and then it all went wrong with Adrian. Because yeah. now, I mean, and that comes... Send that- him to Besiktas. Isn't that where they sent Carriers? <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, it is. That's but where they exile Liverpool goalkeepers who screw up in the Champions League. Who is still making mistakes about screwing up because he screwed up recently. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, they need a new keeper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 94th minute for this to happen that early into extra time, or 94th is when Liverpool score. I think yeah. they like, maybe switch off a little bit, but now you can, like, there's only 13 minutes left. Liverpool have to really go for it. And I think at this point, this is where they do get exposed on that counterattack by Atleti, but that's kind of what's going to happen when you have to get a goal. They have to score two, right? At yes, this point, I think they would so, have yeah. to score two. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about sure. it. It's Urente scores. Uh, the second goal I believe this is the break that Urente mm-hmm. is involved in starting yeah. I think Firmino is dispossessed mm-hmm. um, Liverpool are way up the field um, Alvaro Morata yep. is on the field sure looking is. like the Morata of old mm-hmm. in my opinion yep. um, breaks down the right and Urente charges down the middle really um, leggy athlet- mm-hmm. no leggy is the wrong word leggy is when you're tired right really uh, athletic lively run yeah. from Urente down the middle so late in extra time um, and I really love this square ball from Morata because it really throws Liverpool all off balance because it's such yeah. an odd pass it is and I think it's odd because as Morata gets the ball or like when he gets to around midfield you sort of see him slow up and then I think maybe he checks around realizes he doesn't really have support and makes the decision that a good forward makes of I'm going to dribble to the corner flag and try to hold it there as much as I can so then he does kind of reaccelerate. Liverpool kind of close in on him but it opens up that space and I think at that point they think oh he's going to the corner flag he's going to try to force the throw in and that's where that lateral pass I think is completely yep. unexpected would you, really good work by Morata would you agree that that pass is open because Joe Gomez has dropped off too far yes yes, he definitely has Right, mm-hmm. I don't understand why he doesn't get tighter the only, the only reason I can think is just tiredness late yeah. in the game big emotions all that stuff I think it's, it's that sort of defender feeling of like if I'm if I'm backing off but I'm facing the player and we're about 25 yards out like, I'm in a safe position. It's sort of like I'm tired, but I want to get back into sort of a p- position when I'm not getting beat for pace or I'm not in a, in a foot race at this point. Yeah. But I think because of that, he drops off a little bit too much. Yeah. He drops off so much that Jordan Henderson thinks he has to come over exactly. and help. And I think kind of makes it worse by neither mm-hmm. of them um, but it's making not, a proper tackle yeah, on Urente. But it's not a driven ball into Urente from Morata. Like, th- like, if Gomez really made that decision to commit and win that ball, at the very least, it's a 50-50 Urente maybe has to cut it backwards or he doesn't have the time to sort of settle, turn and then go at... Uh, the defense a little bit more but because there is that gap to your point now Henderson has to come across or does come across and I think he blocks off Joe Gomez a little bit Llorente takes advantage gets the shot and now it's another goal alright and then obviously Liverpool all they can yep. do is push 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 yep. right um, Origi's on Fabinho's on they're going for it Van Dijk goes mm-hmm. up front he does it's really, they're really throwing everything Morata scores the thing that absolutely kills it dead yep. in the 121st minute um, I don't think we really need to analyse this Mm-mm. goal so much it's really a pretty goal it is a very nice goal. It's nice for Morata. I always mm-hmm. feel bad for Morata because I feel like he's um, emotionally a little fragile. Mm-hmm. And like I want good things to happen for him because yep. I want him to be feeling good about himself. Me too. I, I, when, I, when, Liver, or when Atleti thought they had scored what would have been the winner uh, on aggregate at the very end of regulation that was chalked off for offside, I saw Morata go like running on and then he was like, oh, no, no, I can't. And then he like went back like very sheepishly and I was like, oh, poor, poor Alvaro. I have but two, it worked out in the end for him. I have two questions before we mm. close this out. Um, first... 
Do you think Diego Costa still thinks it was the wrong decision to sub him off? Yes. Did you see him protest? 100%, yes. In the 55th minute, which was clearly a pre-planned substitution. Yes. He was so mad. He was so mad. He was so mad. Yeah. You've seen yourself run, right, Diego Costa? (laughs) Just to make that point. I just can't Mm -hmm. can't believe how upset he was when the the game was in the balance. It's also like, I get... I get being frustrated if you feel like you haven't had a good game. Again, 55th minute feels like a pre-planned substitution. But more than anything else, like your coach is Diego <laughs> is Diego Simeone, Diego Costa. You know what will happen if you get into a scrap with him. You will lose because everyone will lose to Diego Simeone. Do you know who Diego Costa, um, who replaces him? I'm going to assume it's Llorente. It's Llorente. Of course it is. Who has two goals and the from assist midfield. from Morata's goal. From midfield. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Settle down, Diego Costa. <laughs> yeah, climb it down, Diego Costa. Yeah. Um, the other question I have for mm-hmm. you is, um, I know you watched this on the second screen. Te- technically your third question. Do you think mm-hmm. <laughs> there's any uh, anything Klopp or like tactically could have done differently after the Firmino goal? Or does it all happen so quickly that there wasn't chance for him to, um, okay, now we're going to go like five at the back? I think I think it happens too quickly. And I think that at this level, a manager, like they score three minutes later, yes. But I think you have to kind of trust your players to be smart. Like all you can do yeah. on the stat, like we always see the managers like point, like think, think, think. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's what he was doing. But to then immediately sub somebody out or change things entirely or make everybody drop off, I think would be a bit too much. And I think simultaneously, we, like, we both felt like, okay, this is Liverpool's game. And yeah. I think that when you're feeling that way it's easy to be critical if the reverse had happened and Klopp immediately made two defensive substitutions but and that's what threw it all off exactly yeah. I 100% agree with you but mm. I wanted to check just in case yeah. uh, just in case there was some other yeah. reason I, I, again it was a good game from Liverpool it was a frustrating game plan from Atleti yeah. we saw that in Klopp's press conference oh he wasn't happy with how they play right? it was not but I think there was this weird narrative of like well they're already going to win the Premier League so like they're out of the Champions League. Like, it's, is this really that successful of a season for Liverpool? And it's like, get You're out of that? here with that. It was, it was a very Twitter narrative. Oh, okay. That was very read the Twitter silly narrative. to me. I'm interested in what Klopp said. Like, why, still running away with the Premier League. I'm interested in Klopp complaining about mm-hmm. what Atletico do when it's obvious the reason they do what they do is this result. Yeah, that was... Like, I think he began it with, like, I don't understand why they play this way. Like, they have world-class players. Why would you just want to, like, sit in, in two lines of four or whatever? And yeah. like, well, I think you have your answer. Because <laughs> they can go through. To advance past Liverpool, the Premier League champions. Because they can go through to the mm-hmm. quarterfinals. Premier League champions elect. We shall see. Yeah. Assuming the season gets yeah. played out. I don't um, know. They could go on a, on a very ridiculous losing streak. <laughs> they will not. They will they not. Will not. Um, all right. We've still got PSG mm-hmm. and Dortmund to come. We certainly do. But first, Taylor. What you got? Why are you already giggling? The copy says, I have to say, ow, ah, that hurt. Mm-hmm. That's, those, what, that's those, what you have to say. Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. I'm going to say this. That was that was some good voice work, my friend. Like, th- that sounded genuine. That sounded like Daryl was in pain. I, I got nervous. I've done one professional voiceover. So te- <laughs> technically, I'm a pro. <laughs> uh, yes, and to Daryl's point, uh, with the new Lawnmower 3.0. 3.0! Mm, it's better than 1.0. It's better than the 2.0. I dare say it's better than the 2.9. I don't think that exists, but 3.0, all the best. 2.9, they were like, this is great, but I think oh, there. if we spend an extra day on this, we can get it. <laughs> all the way <laughs> i do like the idea of releasing a like 3.4 like what does that mean now uh that means that's what, that's what you do with your mac right you get the oh yeah never course. get the new upgrade always wait till it's point something because they fixed all the bugs yeah yeah and then windows just add random numbers to it like, i mean just buy mac windows 10 windows xp <laughs> windows whatever like yeah it's all confusing but you know what's not <laughs> confusing is the lawnmower 3.0 no more cuts no more nicks this is their third generation trimmer which features advanced skin safe technology so you can keep your bad boys nice and smooth is what they 
say, I'm just going to say nice and uh, not injured. Nice and not injured. Mm. And it actually says in the copy, the engineering team spent 18 months. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was seven, the lawnmower 18.0. It was 17 months and 29 days for 2.9. Yep. And then 18 months, <laughs> 18 months for 3.0, perfecting the mm-hmm. greatest um, down there hair trimmer mm-hmm. ever created. And they've just released it. Battery lasts up to 90 minutes, which gives you a very long shave. I, I, I don't know if anybody would need the full 90 minutes, but now at least you have that You're luxury. You're supposed to do it all at once. I mean, you never know, Daryl. That's never like know. five minutes one day, five minutes a few days later. <laughs> If it's taking 90 minutes, you should probably go see a you're doctor. You're very, very focused. Yeah. You're, you're doing a lightning bolt or something like that. Well, there was a guess. lot down there to begin with. <laughs> what <are> that? <laughs> uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TSS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code TSS. So everything you've got mm-hmm. below the belt will thank you there for going we are. to that website and using that Well done, sir. All right, so we've talked Liverpool, Atletico Madrid. Let's talk PSG Dortmund. Another game that I sort of thought, uh, and we should say, like, view behind the curtain, that we were in studio yesterday to watch the Champions League games. We were fully set to record after. Ready for that Spurs comeback. Yeah, and then it sort of was like, people aren't going to want to hear about these games, and they're already sort of dead within the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I did have a feeling that PSG might be this way as well, that I thought Dortmund could snatch an early away goal, and suddenly it's kind of all done. Oh, sure. You were very wrong. I was very, very wrong. I did not see this coming in terms of I did not see Dortmund looking so sort of lackluster. Mm-hmm. I did not see PSG looking as well-drilled and disciplined as they did. Let's remind people, mm-hmm. um, if people didn't remember, what yep. happened in the first leg. So sure. in the first leg, um, Dortmund hosted PSG mm-hmm. and won 2-1. Right. right. So there was an away goal, but Dortmund had the one-goal lead. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to Paris to, I believe, Parc de France is where mm-hmm. uh, PSG plays. Um, and they were ready to sort of hold on to that lead. Mm-hmm. No fans. It was nope. the empty stadium. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Yes, which was very, very strange. There were still fans outside of the stadium. Every time PSG scored a goal, they set mm-hmm. off fireworks. It kind of defeated the purpose of not co- congregating in large groups. Yeah. I doubt they'll care because at the end of the day, they made it to the next round of a competition that we think will continue to exist. We'll see. We'll see. It'll exist. It just might mm-hmm. not keep playing this year. Yeah. So 2-0 to PSG. Mm-hmm. What happened, Taylor? Because you watch this a lot more than me. All right, so a lot more the, the like obvious mildly lazy narrative, but I'm going to say it because I think it, it is sort of fair, is that I think Dortmund kind of came into this one with no fans in the stadium, there's not going to be an atmosphere, PSG historically do not do well in the second leg of Champions League knockout round games. They've like they've got some injuries, they've got some suspensions. We should be able to make this happen. And I think they set up fairly defensively to sort of be able to play on the break, play through uh, Holland. But the sharpness and the physicality that we've seen from Dortmund in recent weeks just was not there, and it was for PSG. So it's interesting that you talk about the defensive shape, right? Because mm-hmm. when you look at a Dortmund, uh, when you look at Dortmund on paper, yeah. it looks like it's usually listed as three four three, right? Back three, and then like exciting attacking wingbacks like uh, Hakimi on mm-hmm. one side and Guerrero on the other, yeah. and then the the front three. I believe starting this game was Haaland. Everyone's excited about Jaden Sancho. Everyone's excited mm-hmm. about Thorgan Hazard. Everyone's mm-hmm. excited about. But really, the bits that I saw of this game, it was basically a 5-4-1, yep. right? So mm-hmm. Sancho and Hazard would come back. Occasionally a 5-3-2, but if yeah. PSG were in possession for longer than like 30 seconds, it was a 5-4-1. So was the goal to go to Paris, set up defensively, maybe we'll hit you on the counter with Erling Haaland? Yeah, and yeah. I think frustrate. I think it was sort of bunker, like, use the post. pace. PSG, historically, were, like in the preview, I talked about it, like we're going to be in a 4-2-4 a lot of the time because they commit numbers forward. Yeah. 
you could easily catch them on the break because sometimes they're even in a like two two six with the the fullbacks mm-hmm. committed forward. And I think maybe Dortmund thought that's going to be the case. We'll have Holland as an outlet. We have Jaden Sancho who can break. Torgan Hazard is pretty fast himself. Yeah, we'll be able to hit them. And instead, literally and figuratively, it was PSG. And it started in my mind with Neymar and uh, Angel Di Maria. In a basically four four two, being the left and right midfielders and doing that job, doing the defensive work, it was work, right? more defensive work than I've ever seen from Neymar. It's, yeah, especially Neymar, you don't, you expect him to have the left side, but be given license to do whatever he wants. Yeah. This was Champions League Neymar. This was classic Neymar. And I, I d- really enjoyed the, what I saw. Of him. I agree, and I don't even mean this in a disparaging way. Like this is more defensive work than I've ever seen from Neymar, and I might mean that cumulatively, like over the course. <laughs> be- and like because think about where he's come from, like Barcelona before this. His job isn't track back and do defensive work. It's not the, he's not going to do that with Brazil. He doesn't really do that in Ligue 1. He's talking about his whole life. Kind of. Like, I mean, the, the dude played. Like, Under Herrera was not dressed for this game. He was up, I think, with injury. Yeah. Like, like, Neymar played a game that I've come to expect from Angel uh, um, uh, Under Herrera. That it's like, okay. it's like physical. He's hassling. He's back. He's tracking. He's in your face. He, then he'll go at you and he'll make stuff happen. Certainly Neymar does that. But just the way he was back hassling Dortmund players I think is not a thing they really expected, especially Ashraf Hakimi. I yep. think he just was not prepared to suddenly have Neymar doing a defensive job and causing problems. But then Neymar hurt Hakimi the other way. Well, there's also that, yeah. Do you want to get into the goals? So Let's do it. 28th minute mm-hmm. um, from a corner kick. Um, yeah. It's floated in. Neymar meets it at the back post. He, he gets does. the other side of Hakimi. Yeah, which right there is kind of revealing because it reminds me of like when Messi scores headers off of corners. And I'm like, what happened for Lionel <laughs> Messi to be the one winning a header? Not to say that Neymar can't do that. It's just that that's not maybe the threat yeah. you would have expected. But I almost wonder if that's maybe what PSG intended with this sequence of play. Oh, so why did you say that? Because the way this corner is taken, it seems as though PSG are set up to sort of send numbers to the near post. And I think Dortmund, for their part, are essentially man-marking, and then anybody who doesn't have a mark is in a zone, Mats Hummels especially. And I think with the runs, there's one to the back post, there's three or four to the near post, or there are bodies on the near post. And I think Mats Hummels, who's supposed to be kind of patrolling the center of the area, right at the top of the six-yard box, gets pulled into that. But there's already a big gap right around where Hummels was anyway, that he vacates that. It leaves space for Neymar to run into. Hummels thinks he's going to win the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. He goes was like charging into that scrum and thinks mm-hmm. Matt Hummels is going to jump and Matt Hummels is going to win this. Mm-hmm. Instead, he does jump, but the ball goes over his head. Yeah, he was so confident that I think he may have said Matt Hummels is going to win this to himself. <laughs> but I'm I'm also confused watching this again because when we I watched it the first time, Atraf Hakimi, who's supposed to be marking Neymar just looks like he just decides not to do that anymore. When we went back and watched it together, Atraf Hakimi is sort of not even in position right before the corner is taken. He yeah. has to hustle to get goal side of Neymar and literally gets into that spot, looks up, and the ball has already been kicked. And I actually think that's the problem. Is exactly. he, sort of, he sees it late, mm-hmm. runs back, gets set, but as he's getting set... The ball is coming in already, yeah. right? Essentially, he gets set to... They marked Neymar too late on mm-hmm. a corner kick. And as a result, then Neymar can just basically get the run across the front of him. Yeah. And Hakimi's body shape is all wrong and he can't react and go with him. Yeah. That's why Neymar is able to meet that ball. But if I told you heading into this one, like if you knew nothing about this game and I said like, yeah, one of the teams scored off of like a well-designed set piece when the other team was just defensively completely lax and sort of switched off, <laughs> you would not think it was the team that scored that scored. I'd be like Zagadou Header at the top Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You definitely would. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think right there it sort of tells you a little bit of the story of this game that I think that's Dortmund being flat, people not getting back fast enough, which yeah. is why they're then having to scramble Hakimi to be in position. flat-footed. And <laughs> as a result, to, to what we were saying, like then gets into position, immediately 
immediately looks and sees the ball is already in the air or at least being kicked. And so I think he's then evaluating, wait, where is this going? Where do I need to be? And that explains then why he just sort of drifts to the back post and isn't at all aware until Neymar is basically scoring that that might be a threat. It also unfortunately adds to the narrative of Hakimi, wonderful attacking yep. presence, scored last weekend mm-hmm. against uh, Mönchengladbach. Still a defensive liability. Yeah. And moments like this are what underlie. I mean, I know he's still young, but mm-hmm. still, you've, you've got to learn your lessons, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you get knocked out of the Champions League. Or just be Gareth Bale and stop playing any defense. <laughs> One or the other. This wasn't the only PSG goal. It though. was not. Uh, Juan Bernat, uh, right at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. had a crazy like charge from left back to center midfield to win mm-hmm. the ball. Then he carried on and ended up popping up, this is my memory, uh, the like top right of the opposition penalty area. Mm-hmm. And like glancing with his laces, uh, a, a ball that comes in glances it into the far post. Again, like surprise t- left back attack is what this was. <laughs> to my point from the first goal, again, if I explain this to you as one of the like outside defenders charged in, won the ball, continued the run, got in the box, and scored a goal, you'd I'm be like, like oh, Ashraf exactly. <laughs> like again, and again, no disrespect to Juan Bernat. It's just that was so surprising to me that this is this PSG team is not known for their physicality. They're known with like being able to deal with that because they get knocked around so much in league on because that's the way you defend against them. Mm-hmm. But to see them go out and just lots of little hits on Emre Jean, lots of little kicks, lots of little moments, I think they won the mental the like mental battle here because when Juan Bernat eventually gets this ball, it's after there's been like like a lot of disorder and chaos from Dortmund of trying to play the ball and they can't quite get a yeah. foot to it and they can't quite get it clean. There were a lot of 50-50 challenges yeah. as well, right? Yeah, and there, was, like, there was chaos and Bernat emerged from it victorious. Like, yeah, like yeah. PSG were... It's like were, a royal rumble and he's left standing <laughs> exactly, at Exactly, and there he was, emerging victorious. <laughs> I think just PSG were ready to get in the mud and I think Dortmund did not expect it to be a mud fight. And, and it was. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's Bernat wins this ball. I believe he plays it to Neymar. Neymar with like a kind of exactly what you want from Neymar of like a little bit of flash to fake one way and then pull it back the other, yeah. then drive, then plays it into Di Maria. I'm going to give Juan Bernat credit again because he is standing between Neymar and Di Maria when that pass is hit and he knows enough to step forward, leave it to run through to Angel Di Maria who then squares it and then it's back in for Juan Bernat to score. There we go. Uh, good, good overlapping run from Kerr as well to get the assist. Okay. No, wasn't it the, um, the, the other oh, yeah, Oh yeah, Sarabia, Sarabia. Excuse Sarabia, me. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. I knew this because we discussed this before we recorded. Because also I think a, P- a thing PSG did, which is why Sarabia is where he was, was they basically were in a 4-4-2, as I said, Di Maria one side, Neymar on the other in the midfield, but then it's Edson Cavani, okay, Sarabia, okay, uh, as your two forwards, but I think they would spread wide in an attempt to sort of pull out at least two of Dortmund's center backs, or ideally one, but then it creates more space for midfielders yeah. to run into, and Neymar and Angel Di Maria to go central, and now you've got overloads that you can exploit. The extra tactical thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. with this game um, is Erling Haaland being... Yeah. What I saw was he was essentially manhandled mm-hmm. and nullified yep. uh, by not Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva was out. Um, it was Marquinhos it was. who was all over him. I believe also wearing the captain's armband. Yes, he was. This and is the day Marquinhos became a man. Yeah, that and then when he waded into the scrum at the very end that saw the Emirates uh-huh. on red card, which was good on him as like a teammate to get involved and make sure everything was okay. I'm going to say also good on him as a captain and veteran to know like, I'm going to kill some time here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in right in front of our bench, pull everybody out. We're going to kill like three or four more minutes and that's precisely what they did. This was not smart Mm-mm. from Dortmund. No. Right? This is the Emery John mm-hmm. red card. Um, I think it ends up being shown, what, the 87th minute? No, it's shown in the 89th minute. Yep. The whole thing starts around about the 87th mm-hmm. minute. Yep. Was it a John Neymar challenge yep. can you talk me through exactly what happened there yeah it's, I mean it's Neymar like gets away is dribbling down the line Emerjan is behind him there's a little bit of a shove on Neymar maybe a little bit of a clip Neymar goes down and 
I like he doesn't get up and re- like he protests a little bit, but he doesn't roll fifteen times and pretend like he's been murdered. It's like, not just... like the classic comedy Neymar that everyone no. expects, right? No, yeah. I mean, and I saw like the Guardian. I think like referred to it as a dive, which I would very much disagree with. I think he's clipped. I think he gets up as every player would when they're sort of on a break, but dribbling towards the direction of goal. Mm-hmm. To like, if you get clipped, you're gonna feel like I didn't see that player behind me. That's clearly a thing they were doing on purpose. That should be a yellow card. For some reason, that seems to annoy Emre Jean because he's standing right behind Neymar. He sort of says something in Neymar's ear. Neymar turns around. I do genuinely think accidentally bumps heads because I think he doesn't really realize how close Emre Jean is. Mm-hmm. But it's also Neymar, and he knows how to kind of pull strings. That's what he does here because Emre Jean then puts hands to him, shoves him. Neymar goes down. Maybe that's where the dive uh, maybe is I a bit more accurate. maybe that shove wasn't. It wasn't heavy enough to put someone on the floor. So I think Neymar does a really smart thing here in that I think he leaves his feet as the shove is happening. And if you can imagine... So it makes it look more powerful. If you have nothing to ground you, you're now like completely yeah. at the mercy of the shove. And so it makes it look or like he was... Or that. He was like, it looks like he was violently thrown to the ground, which yeah. I don't think was the case. I still am confused as to why it was a red card because, like, Neymar bumps heads with him. Maybe the VAR official said, no, that wasn't intentional, but that could easily have been given as a red card. We've seen that given before. Mm -hmm. The shove seems like, yeah, we've seen players shove the body. And so all I can think is that it's a combination of the foul, then getting in his face, then the ensuing scrap. But that feels like at least two yellow cards, not a straight red. Yeah, and whatever the official reason for the red, I would argue the biggest mistake John makes is just to get involved in all this Mm -hmm. because it's the 87th minute Dortmund only need one goal to tie this up right Mm. if they score it's 2-1 at PSG and 2-1 at Dortmund it's 3-3 in aggregate no one leads on away goals time was precious and John let PSG waste a good three or four minutes um, by getting into this big ruckus and 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 I will say he was frustrated for most of this game that like there was a moment when he passes the ball behind Torgan Hazard and then he acts as though Torgan Hazard made the wrong run punch a wall afterwards yeah that's fine and then like (laughs) but like lots of little kicks little bumps little fouls that I think wore him down to the point where Neymar got away from him and he was just like well I'm going to let you know that I'm here. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think... <laughs> FIFA video game foul button coming up. <laughs> yes. And, I th- and so I think that like, you can see sort of the mental fatigue there for Emre Jean. And I think to your very original point that I took his way away from, I think that also happens to Erling Haaland as well. That he maybe was ready to be the, the spear point who's going to hold it up, who's going to flick it on, who's going to do all that job. It's theoretically loads of space in behind. Yeah. Right? yeah. But I also think because Dortmund were content to sit in that 5-4-1 and sit a little bit deeper than normal, one thing I noticed a couple different times, the one that stood out was there's a moment in the first half when Jaden Sancho gets the ball wide, shapes the cross. There's literally no one in the box. Every Dortmund player is holding their run at the top of the 18, and then they all start to go, and Jaden Sancho can't play that ball anymore. Why is so he Holland there? That's I weird. Think, is he I, involved I, in the building? I think they're like waiting to then crash, but they're just a little bit behind. I think Sancho ends up shooting from a tighter angle. It's all he can do. But contrast that with the second half, you do see Dortmund committing more numbers forward. And I think, again, this was them just sitting off a little bit too much and giving the game a little bit to PSG. And PSG happy to take it. And you see the way it went as a result. So of interest to U.S. men's national team fans, mm-hmm. Gio Reyna entered this game yep. in the second half. Where did he play and how did he do? He... Uh, tended to like migrate out towards the right but I think was deployed more central and and that's where I kept seeing him pop up and I thought he did really really well especially given the situation of being brought in needing to get a goal needing to make something happen I thought he facilitated a lot of attacks I thought he kept the ball going I thought he was smart and simple when he needed to be but Mm -hmm. deliberative when he needed to be there's the one moment I texted you about when he tracks all the way back football today agreed with you yeah there we go Uh, he wins the ball off Neymar it's good company to be in Uh, wins the ball off Neymar then runs all the way back down and 
like lays off the ball to Julian Brandt, who shoots the ball is deflected wide. But I mean, you see what uh, what Giovanni Reina brings to the table with the work to get back, but then the work to involve himself in the attack at the same time. Seventeen years old, it's ridiculous. And if there are March US Men's National Team friendlies mm-hmm. against Wales and the Netherlands, mm-hmm. um, he, we expect him to make his debut. We do, and and I expect him to make his debut with a bit more pace than I thought, because in previous outings. I think maybe just because he hasn't been tasked with tracking back aggressively, I've wondered about his pace. In this situation on Neymar, he gets back, he covers that ground, he makes a good defensive play, he's there for the ball. I, I think it, it alleviated some of my defensive Giovanni Reina concerns. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, I didn't listen to the episode of Football today, but wasn't yeah. some of that about like his defensive yes. um, contributions? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else to say on this game? I mean, I feel bad for Dortmund because it was another one where it felt like, okay, they're going to go through. They've got this team clicking. PSG are there for the taking. Yeah. They're playing in an empty stadium. And in the end, it's PSG advancing. And I sort of think PSG, though, may have invited, angered the soccer karma gods because Neymar, after he scores, he does an imitation of Erling Haaland's celebration from the mm-hmm. first leg, the kind of Buddhist prayer. And then the entire team, after they win, does the same thing. And, like... I, I can't even say I get I don't get it. it. It feels weird to me to sort of mimic the celebration of a 19-year-old because there's no way they're yeah. doing that out of a sense of, like, respect. So then you're sort of – the clear implication is that they were annoyed by that celebration. But, like, in terms of goal celebrations, it's not that flamboyant. It's not that dramatic. Yeah. So it feels like it's you're just not, making – Unless I'm missing something, the original Haaland celebration mm-hmm. wasn't targeted at some – I don't think so. Yes, do you think, like, the Alex Morgan sipping tea thing yeah. was obviously targeted at England because right. English people drink tea. Uh-huh. There's no, like – all of PSG are Buddhists, right? Not, not that I'm aware of. I may um, be ignorant of something, but I'm, I'm... And if they are, then they're not following the middle path by, by mocking him in revenge. So there we are. Uh, I mean, and there may well be. Maybe it was that Holland said something about how PSG are easy to beat. Or like, yeah. I don't know. I welcome that email. But for now, it seemed very Terry strange. At no, need, no need to CC down. It's fine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that feels like a good way to anger the soccer gods. Yep. If this competition continues, I, I won't mind. I won't mind if PSG uh, get a little bit of a, a beating up. Because there was some diving in this one as well. Not from Neymar, but definitely some dives throughout this game. One final interesting thing. This mm-hmm. is a really good PSG performance, mm-hmm. but it's missing Thiago Silva. Ridiculous how many players they're missing. Marco Verratti. Mm-hmm. And Kylian Mbappe. Yep. Um, I can't, rem- I can't Mauro remember. Mauro Icardi the- also on the bench. Thiago Silva out, uh, as we said. And then Under Herrera also not playing in this game. That's a lot of high-profile mm-hmm. PSG players. Yep. My one weird question is, did that help PSG in a weird way? It's possible. It's like, possible. It maybe Thiago Silva. I don't know if he's lost any pace or not. Mm-hmm. I assume he has because he's in his mid-30s. And maybe he would have been more susceptible um, to Haaland mm-hmm. than the combination of Marquinhos and Kimbembe. Yeah. I mean, uh, right. yeah. I mean, that that may well have been the case. Like, maybe he he suits it a bit more. He can be a bit more physical without fouling. But I also think that there's something to be said for you can have that moment when like backs are against the wall. Like, this is who we've got. So, like yeah, yeah. Neymar, we go need to the, you. go to war with the army. We have, yeah. Right? Like Neymar, we don't have anybody else. You have to do this job. Yeah. Anel Di Maria, you have to do this job. And maybe the lack of options elsewhere like makes them buy into that a bit more. But credit to Thomas Tuchel for figuring it out and getting the result that he needed to get against his uh, former team. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Forgot. I'm sure he will not forget about that. Well, if he's going to celebrate it, mm-hmm. he better dress smartly. <laughs> one That's way he outstanding could, work from you, my friend. One way he could do mm-hmm. so is to use today's sponsor. Today's Total Sock Show is sponsored by the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves mm-hmm. a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear. That's a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Daryl, did you know? That the black tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? 
I did know that. You did know that? Because is that done, because we've done this before? We've done this ad twice there before. There we go. <laughs> I did know that. But I do like, I really do like stories mm-hmm. of companies where the company has started because uh, the, the founders were sort of like looking for this thing and couldn't find it and thought, oh, we'll start it instead. I like it as well, except it's a good reminder for me that I'm never going to be a millionaire slash billionaire because there's a certain mentality Depends that's like, this get. is a problem. <laughs> True. This is a problem. I see it as an issue. I'm going to f- like create a business to fix it versus I'm just like, me. <laughs> like One of those is a billionaire mindset and one of those is a toddler's mindset. We don't know if the black tax owners are billionaires. We don't. That's true. Yeah. We don't, but I feel fairly confident that they're not toddlers because they seem to understand <laughs> sizing very much. So what's great about the Black Tux mm-hmm. is there's an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Mm-hmm. So you go to the blacktux.com, easy for me to say, mm-hmm. um, request the free home try-on, and then they'll send you uh, whatever suit or tux you choose um, so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. That said, if online is not your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look from there. They'll you your order uh, two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. So whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at theblacktux.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get 10% off, Taylor... I just want to know, can I just like get a tuxedo to wear? Like if I wore a, a, a tuxedo into the office, that's allowed, right? Every day I come here, mm-hmm. I'm disappointed that you're not wearing a tux. What are we, farmers? I'm going to say it again. <laughs> uh, if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code... Sucker! There we are. That's blacktux.com uh, code... Sucker! For 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Thank you to Bla- the Black Tucks, excuse mm-hmm. me, for sponsoring today's show. And thank you to RB Leipzig for getting one American through to the Champions League <laughs> quarterfinals. So I think you alluded to this earlier, right? We came into the office on Tuesday ready to watch um, Leipzig host Spurs. They had the 1-0 lead that mm-hmm. they got at not White Hart Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought, okay, maybe maybe there's a comeback on here. And within 10 minutes, it was 1-0 Leipzig. It finished 3-0. It was 4-0 on aggregate. It was yep. a really limp Spurs performance. Mm-hmm. Mourinho looked sad in the press conference afterwards. He did. He talked about you know how, how many injuries they've got in the squad. What, Bergwijn went down not long mm-hmm. before this game. Son went down a little while ago. Harry Kane no longer available. It was impossible to sign a striker in January, apparently. Apparently. Um, yeah, the quote from the press conference from Mourinho was... Um, all of the Leipzig bench players would get in my team at the moment. Yeah, which I, I don't know if that's true. I think he is correct that they've had a lot of injuries. They've got a, a lot dramatic, of issues. Right? Yes, but that's Jose Mourinho, and I think this is Jose Mourinho doing what you would do if you're a manager, which is you have had injuries. Your team just got shellacked over the course of two legs, but especially in the second leg. So you could blame the players. You could blame you know refereeing in, inefficiencies or inconsistencies, but that doesn't really work. The logical route to go is to say, like, oh, all my players are injured. We've got all this like roster turnover and stagnation. We're not yeah. sure what to do. Leipzig, on the other hand, they have this cohesive game plan, and here they are. So I think it's sort of wisely uh, playing the injury card to not have to yeah. deal with some other lingering questions. It's just, I feel slightly sad for sad Mourinho. Like, Why I, is that? Well, there's like this there's, there's victorious Mourinho, who's like kind of charming mm-hmm. in a cocky kind of way, right? Ah. And there's happy Mourinho, and there's defiant Mourinho, who's like, they just won't sign the players mm-hmm. for me, and like, my, these guys need to do better. Yeah. And this is just, I've given up Mourinho. Well, I, no, see, I, I, I don't agree with that, because I don't think this is him giving up. I think it's him sort of being boxed into a corner by, he can't go out and bash the ownership or the or uh, the front office for not signing him 
all the players he wanted because he did get a couple in January. He just yeah. didn't get the forwards, as you said. But I think he can't really do that. I, my guess would be because they've also said, like, give us until the beginning of next season. Give us this summer. We'll sign you some players. So he doesn't really want to bash them. He doesn't want to bash the players because that doesn't look very good either, and you lose them even more. And in fact, Deli Ali bashed himself. Really? Said, like he said, um, a few of us have got to look mm-hmm. at ourselves and think, like, why didn't I win that second ball? Why yeah. was I slow to that? I've got to look at myself and mm-hmm. I apologize to the fans. Someone asked Mourinho about that in the press conference, mm-hmm. and he very sort of carefully instead of piling on and being like, yeah, they all need to look at themselves, he very specifically said, it's really good that players like Delhi are willing to look at himself. And I think that's a positive thing for the rest of the season, that players are willing to self-examine. It's a gentler Mourinho. It's a a soft Mourinho Mourinho for this precise moment. It's like he's broken. But I guess you're right. They just fit this precise moment. No, I think it's it's doing what you have to do if you're in that spot to downplay everything. And it's still sort of... It's not rocking a boat that's sinking. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Because you let more water in, possibly. Um, I did allude to Tyler Adams. Mm -hmm. He came on and played roughly 30 minutes in this Did you allude to it or did you just straight up say Tyler Adams played? I think I used the word allude earlier and it was stuck in my head. Um, So I did mention earlier that Mm -hmm. Tyler Adams played. He played the last 30 minutes of this game. Um, So what, the Mm -hmm. the game previous to this, the Bundesliga game for Leipzig, he Mm -hmm. was on the bench, didn't come on. This one he played 30 minutes. Tyler Adams is back. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't any big performance, nothing big in terms of his performance in this game because honestly, by the time he came on, this Mm -hmm. game was over. It was a bit of a walkthrough exercise by the time Adams was on the field. It absolutely was. It's also worth noting that uh, to maybe diminish some of what you're saying or to just be a big old wet blanket. Also worth noting that uh, he came on due to injury. Uh, Mukiele oh, uh, injured, had to be subbed out, so then Tyler Adams came on. I don't know if he would have come on as early. I okay. hope he would have come on at some point. But he didn't then come out with an injury, which I think is the important part. <laughs> That's where we are with if, it? It's where we are with U.S. national team players. He subbed on, he didn't sub off. Thanks. It's where we are mm-hmm. with national team players in Europe. You're right? not wrong. So many players getting injured. Yep. Tyler Adams, nice and healthy. If we have March friendlies. We hope to see him play. There's a gigantic if around that. There right is now. a gigantic if. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, anything else to say about this game? Uh, no. Uh, much like Mourinho, I think I just want to move on from this one. That's and, fair. Yeah. Um, I would just like to briefly mention that uh, Atalanta did get the job done. They certainly a, did. A 4-3 to three win away at Valencia. That game did end up happening. Which sounds really exciting, mm-hmm. but on aggregate, it's an 8-4 win. Right. So, uh, yeah, this was already over before it started. Four goals from Ilicic, uh, two yes. penalties, one in the third minute. Definitely. I think that was the other one that kind of nail in the coffin. Like, okay, Valencia are definitely not coming back from this one. Uh-huh. Um, but... It did make me excited because I wasn't as thrilled with Atletico Madrid going through. I apologize to Atleti fans, but they're going to do what Atleti do. They're going to mm-hmm. be difficult to play against. They don't always play the most attractive soccer as a result. They're going to put world-class players in two banks of four. But Atalanta versus Atletico would be, number one, difficult to say. But number That's two, not the draw, right? This is like Taylor's fantasy No, but draw. this is my fantasy because that is a team that puts players all over the place. Their entire game plan is about popping up in unexpected moments and unexpected yeah, yeah. space. So I feel like that would be the perfect team to play Atleti. It would make that tie not very exciting from a maybe broadcast standpoint. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how many uh, people are going to be tuning in specifically for that game, but I will be very excited to see that one if if it were to take place. I would worry that Atletico would just stay in their two banks mm-hmm. of four, and Atlanta would go Atalanta, mm-hmm. excuse me, would go all over the place, and they, Atletico would almost just stand there watching them do it and be like, "Oh, that's nice." I don't know, man. We'll just wait till the ball comes this way. Don't you doubt Papu Gomez? <laughs> Again, we'll see what happens. This is all assuming that the Champions League and the Europa League continue to take place, which yeah. is a is a not right. big but a 
question mark at the moment. All right, Tyler Rockwell, mm-hmm. let's have the coronavirus we've, conversation. We've been sort of like mentioning it off and on throughout this entire episode, which is sort of the way the coronavirus is right now, that yep. it's just kind of mentioned all the time uh, in the background and sometimes right in the forefront. News keeps breaking, yeah. news keeps breaking, mm-hmm. news keeps breaking. There is there are the sort of rumors that the Champions League might be suspended going mm-hmm. forward. There's a chance that as people are listening to this, if they're listening to it Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon, that the Champions League and the Europa League have been suspended. Why do you say that then? What? So we are mm-hmm. very deliberately not like rumor-mongering or panicking yeah. on the Total Soccer Show, right? Mm. But we've had the games clo- uh, played behind closed mm-hmm. doors. What, Italy, France, and Spain were mm-hmm. going to play all their games behind closed doors. Italy suspended play in Serie A yep. for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And there's been more news basically today, yep. right? And I essentially, um, I was hands-off with this. Yeah. Um, didn't touch my face, washed them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Taylor said, I'm going to do all the research and find the factual things that have actually happened, things that have been suspended for coronavirus. Okay, so you want me to go with that? Not, not the why do I say Europa League and Champions League could be suspended? Let's work our way around. Okay, that. cool. Um, then, yeah, it, it's basically we've got some things that have already been suspended. As Daryl said, Serie A suspended until, I believe, April 4th. I'm going to mm-hmm. guess that gets extended further. Compounded by Daniele Rugane, the uh, Juve defender, tested positive for COVID-19 today. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that means Juve go into quarantine. I think Inter are also going to go into quarantine or isolation because they played the, this past weekend. Uh, so there's that. Because they played each other, they were physically in the same space. So, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that led to uh, Hatafe refused to go play. Play, uh, go to Inter to play that game. They steadfastly refuse, so that game has been postponed in the Europa League. So they've Roma. seen contagion. They know how to backwards trace a virus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all of a country, not allowed. And uh, Roma were supposed to go to Sevilla for the first leg of their game. Roma, in air, were denied landing clearance by Spanish authorities. And this is what, Europa League? Yes. Yeah. So that game has also been suspended. But you can see the sort of reactions that are happening, which informs why I think they'll be suspended. But so you have those actions in Italy, in uh, the Premier League, thus far only one game suspended, uh, Man City v. Arsenal, because Arsenal players were around or shook hands with the Olympiacos owner or the Olympiacos players. The Olympiacos owner has tested positive as well. So there's a fear of contagion there. As of, did you see any news on Wolves? So Wolves are supposed to go to Greece and play Olympiacos as on Thursday. are Man United, who are going to Lask in Austria. I believe both of those games are happening. I think both of them are behind closed doors. Okay. At least the Lask game definitely is. And no one's going to be shaking hands with the Olympiacos owner. No, but I think to jump to... No, definitely. I think to jump to, like, not necessarily fact for a moment, but this is the reason why I think they're going to suspend Europa League champions. Like, why wouldn't be surprised, at least? This is my speculation, but I think you can't keep having these, like, oh, Hatafe just aren't going to go. You can't kick them out of the cup. They said, basically, like, even if it meant we got kicked out, we're not going. And so I think you can't have these sort of case-by-case piecemeal, okay, that game's happening, this game isn't happening. I think you sort of have to... Yeah, Not even just for like health concerns, but from a logistical standpoint, you can't have all of this sort of stuff happening willy-nilly. So essentially, don't be surprised yeah. if the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League mm-hmm. are either suspended or maybe even cancelled, depending possible. on what... Let's say, don't be surprised if it's suspended, because it's a lot of international travel yep. that maybe isn't necessary. It depends how necessary yep. you think football is. Mm-hmm. I love football. I could handle um, a Champions League season being mm-hmm. sort of truncated or suspended or like restarted in some weird way and played in a weird part of the calendar I I could handle that I think a lot of it I could too and I think a lot of it will come down to almost like a domino effect of other things will have to happen for things to happen like right now like basically I think say the Euros get suspended for a year 
I think a lot of leagues. But Euro twenty twenty this yeah. summer. So yeah. they move it to summer of twenty twenty one. I think a lot of leagues will suspend immediately because that then allows them to pick back up and finish yeah. those seasons. You've got a little bit of a cushion now because you could play Ma- Club World May Cup would June. have to be cancelled. Yeah, remember the twenty twenty one Club World Cup oh, that's yeah. coming. Forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, well, well the problems there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like I think. Do you know where it's being hosted? Uh, I do not. China. Perfect. Perfect. What more do you need? Do you know where the uh, – I think we talked about this off air. Do you know where the opening game of the 2020 Euros is being played? Oh, I do because you told me. Rome! Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think that is – the other like possibility speculation is that Euro 2020 could be postponed until 2021. That is, at this point, complete speculation. UEFA mm-hmm. has said – But you didn't make this up, right? It's speculation no. that you're sort of reporting-ish, I guess, uh, yes, noting from elsewhere. Th- there are lots of unconfirmed tweets saying UEFA are looking <laughs> into it. I, I would note that what keeps happening happening with coronavirus from like a public standpoint is you get okay we're going to take this action we're going to take this action and then within like 24 hours it's like the whole league is suspended like look at the nba who yes. i think when i saw it earlier today they were not going to allow like uh, between the quarter uh, reporter interview conversations with the the coaches mm-hmm. which was fine with greg popovich because he hates those anyway and now i just saw a washington post story mm-hmm. that because a player i didn't see who the player was a player somebody has for tested, the utah jazz has tested positive for coronavirus mm-hmm. the the nba is suspended there you go yep. yeah i mean so you can see the reaction there and how no quickly basketballing. it escalates no basketballing either so i won't be surprised if we see a lot of announcements in the next couple days in the meantime to stick with things that have definitely happened uh common bowl has announced they're suspending the first two rounds of world cup qualifying uh the all basque copa del rey final between bilbao and sociedad as well as the french league cup final between uh psg and Lyon. both of those uh suspended or yeah. postponed at least those are supposed to be in I april mean, you could cancel a league cup final that's yeah, fine that's fine uh <laughs> the premier league uh, will close their doors once there are 500 confirmed cases. Why are, wait? If you're going to do it, why wait? I think because they're trying to not be reactionary and not create a panic, and they're trying to say, like, well, until we have a number that is a- attained that we then consider threatening. Yeah. But that number is 500. They are currently at 460 diagnosed cases. So the expectation would be that maybe we'll have some closed doors games in the Premier League uh, when that number moves to 500. That was reported by the Times. Um, and then we have other like like intermittent ones. I said Arsenal, uh, Man City suspended. Uh, the Sounders came out and announced that their game against FC Dallas on March 21st will be suspended. So I think as we see more of those sort of piecemeal individual games getting canceled, I think that will probably lead to more leagues and competitions yep. being suspended or postponed. So suspend stuff, mm-hmm. we'll deal with it later because yep. there are other things that are more important right now. Yes. That's the basic, the basic yeah, setup, right? And absolutely. I think that's the sensible approach to have. Yes. The other thing I think I would like to say is that just because things are being suspended, there's no need for a big old panic, right? No. These are just sensible, mm-hmm. precautionary measures. It doesn't mean we're all going to die. No, it does right? not. It means that we should exercise common sense. And that uh, brings me to my final one I wanted to mention. There's a video of Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I guess some fans at Anfield had their hands out. They wanted high fives. And he like very aggressively was like, no. And if you read one caption, it sounds like he maybe like called them idiots or something like that. And it was all like, oh, he was frustrated by the moment. It's like, no, like they're not having handshakes. Like, yeah. they're not doing that. He's being like, no, I keep getting asked about this all the time. I don't want to talk about coronavirus anymore. Don't offer to give me a high five. That's a terrible I idea. That's perfectly sensible. Yeah. I, I played a soccer match tonight, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of elbow bumps. Yeah. Right? Because that's what has replaced handshakes and high fives and even fist bumps. It does feel Sensibly, strange that we're still sense. playing soccer. Like, I saw my first mask today walking the dogs, mm-hmm. and it was a sort of, like, physical reminder of, like, oh, yeah, this thing is happening. And it's... A strange world to live in. Would you be surprised if our, our local season was mm-hmm. cancelled? Because no. I would not. I, I, would, I would even say it might be a sensible thing to not have a bunch of sweaty people running around bumping into each other. This is the problem with, with like, 
amateur local soccer is I don't know if they could afford to do that. I don't know if they could. I mean, I'm not saying that justifies it. Like, it's worth noting, like, uh, the Atalanta fans who weren't allowed to travel to uh, to Valencia for that game, they donated all of their refunded tickets to an Italian hospital. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think anybody would be really that, like, furious if they were out $85 or whatever it is for our league. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if the league had to refund so that. 80, 87 with the PayPal fee. There we go, right there. <laughs> uh, I, I do wonder if they would be able to financially make that happen. But, again, at that point, it feels like what's more important yeah, I think we may see some games uh, postponed or cancelled in the very near future. And they're all played essentially behind closed doors anyway, right? Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've managed to find a lighter note, let's move on to scouting. Unless you have anything else to anything J- else to say. Just that from a, a bureaucratic <laughs> legal standpoint, I do wonder if you're a league that doesn't cancel and one person has it and spreads it to 30 other people during a game. Are you then legally liable? That is probably Ooh, what will force people into hadn't action. Even thought about it. Yeah, that. liability always tends to matter more than morality or anything else. All right. On that more depressing note, <laughs> not to let, me, but to businesses and large move, organizations. Let's move on to scouting. Mm-hmm. All right, we have lots of scouting reports uh, to to relay to you on today's Total Soccer Show. I will happily start us off with a report from mm-hmm. Jason Onrapasuth, scouting. Brian Kayo. I want to do that, but I actually do want to go back to this is an important one. Hold for on, Jason. We'll come back to this. Um, I have a feeling because I had a concern, my wife had a concern. I'm going to guess there are listeners out there who will be concerned because the reporting that I've seen so far is that people who are very susceptible to this illness. In oh, we're talking about me here. Yes, yeah. in a dramatic way are people who are like the elderly, uh, like very young children, and then people with like underlying medical conditions, yes. which my friend Daryl here yeah, yeah. has. But we talked about this off air. Not that big of a concern for you? I don't think so, mm-hmm. right? So diabetes, yep. well-controlled. Um, yeah, that's not the big one that I'm talking about. That's not the big one. The, there's, there's also the cancer. Oh, that one. Um, yeah. I did read that if you've been having chemotherapy, mm-hmm. then your immune system is uh, compromised yep. somewhat. I've not had chemotherapy since July. Mm-hmm. What I've been having is uh, immunotherapy. My understanding is that I am not at any increased risk. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. I did wonder why you came in in a giant inflatable bubble, which was kind of frustrating because <laughs> we had to slightly de-inflate it to get you through the door, and now you're recording this from behind your bubble again. It was just for comic effect. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put that past you. <laughs> now, it's worth noting, mm-hmm. um, as things shut down for coronavirus, yeah. We're still going to keep doing the Total Soccer Show, right? Mm-hmm. Because either it's just the two of us here in the office, yep. and we don't do a lot of touching because the desk is between us, mm-hmm. right? And we've got hand sanitizer. I'll put it on right now. And there's no one else around. Mm-mm. And if it comes to it, we can record from home, yes. right? So Total Soccer Show, if you, are, if you do end up having to stay home sick or whatever, uh, we will get Total Soccer Shows in your ears. And you can't catch anything by putting headphones in your ears and the Total Soccer Show coming through. That we know of. It depends what happened to the headphones before. <laughs> Headf- headphone flu. Headphone flu. Coming 2023. <laughs> <laughs> now then, uh, to Jason's scouting report. Okay, Jason is scouting Brian Ko, mm-hmm. the 17-year-old American midfielder. You may remember him mm-hmm. from January camp. Um, Jason says, while Ko has been without a club since leaving Orange County FC... It wasn't, it wasn't for lack of suitors. No. Um, he recently played in a friendly for Wolfsburg 2 and has been with the club since February, as has Kobe Hernandez-Foster. Both are expected to sign with the club on their birthdays, which for Ko is July 27th. How it's weird not, would it be if they had the same birthday? Right. <laughs> and it's not as a treat. It's not like a, yeah. it's your birthday, you sign a contract. <laughs> it's because they turn 18 and they can sign contracts. <laughs> I mean, 
I guess it could be both, though. <laughs> sort of like, congratulations, it's your birthday. Here's your pro contract. Those two are related and unrelated at once. Yeah, now get back to work. James Porter scouting Joseph Tanganga, 20-year-old English defender for Spurs. Joseph started on the left side of a back three in a 3-2 home loss to Wolves. I'm going to guess Daryl might have watched this. I certainly did. Oh, did the young defender get himself an education, says James. <laughs> he had a hand in all three goals. The first was a result of a poor clearance at the back post. The second, he lost a physical battle with uh, Adama Traore. Who amongst us has Easy to do. Uh, who eventually put in a cross from the right for the equalizer. Last, uh, JT was skinned alive like those poor soldiers from Predator. Correct. <laughs> Love the reference. By Raul Jimenez. Uh, excuse me, Jimenez. On a basic uh, fake shot cutback that Jimenez coolly finished with his left foot to give Wolves a deserved victory. The cutback... The best move in soccer. Have the police been informed about Raul Jimenez doing this to another human? I mean, you can't catch him. He just, he cloaked himself and that's it. <laughs> it's really weird. He does have also thermal vision. It's a weird thing. He does. Mm-hmm. That explains his success. Yep. I'm also going to say, He's James, the new LASIK where it gets thermal. Joseph, Joseph Tanganga has not earned the JT, the JT yet, right? Yeah. JT belongs to John Terry when we talk about London-based I mean, defenders. Or Justin Timberlake. Or, Justin or Timberlake. if you want to extend it a bit further, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. But whatever. It's fine. JTT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, your, your turn this time. Up next, it's Drew Trammell, also known We've as... We've moved over Drew an hour. <laughs> Von as soon as we got Rambley, I was like, we moved over an hour, haven't we? Haven't we? Speak for yourself. <laughs> Drew Trammell, also known as Drew Von Truens, is uh. scouting Martin Odegaard. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to know about Martin Odegaard. The 21-year-old, he's 21 now, mm-hmm. 21-year-old Norwegian attacker on loan at Real Sociedad from Real Madrid. Odegaard continued his impressive season throughout February, especially in the Copa del Rey, where Real Sociedad eliminated Real Madrid in the quarterfinals on their run to the final in mid-April against Basque rival Athletic Bilbao. That game is no longer happening. No, it's not. I mean, maybe in the future, but not as scheduled. Not as scheduled. Odegaard contributed three goals and two assists, including a goal at the Bernabeu in the 4-3 win over parent club Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. One particular highlight was against Mirandes, in which he picked up the ball just past midfield, drove to the top of the D aggressively, unleashed a shot to the right corner. The goalie saved it, created a a rebound for a teammate um, who scored (laughs) before Odegaard smashed in the second rebound. Yeah, so uh, basically he shot, saved... A teammate shoots. That one also saved. Odegaard then scores. It's a confusing sequence of events. All right, Martin Odegaard. Taylor Mukaria, scouting Adam Lookman, 22-year-old English winger for RB Leipzig. Uh, since his move to Germany in the summer, Lookman has played 159 Bundesliga minutes with RB Leipzig. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann was not the RB coach when Lookman was on loan uh, at the club previously, and it seems uh, it seems to prefer getting width from his wingbacks instead of traditional wingers, which is what Lookman would uh, that prefer. That makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he has like uh, Mkunku playing more yep. inside and yeah the width comes from yep. Tyler Adams uh, this report was sent before the Leipzig Tottenham game I yeah. went and checked Lookman on the bench did not play I saw that too mm-hmm. Oscar Leung is scouting Michael Oberfemi the 19 year old Irish forward for Southampton Oscar says Oberfemi scored in Southampton's game against West Ham hitting the ball into the top right corner from James Ward-Prowse's low cross to equalise however Saints lost 3-1. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's good, that's bad sort of situation. Mm-hmm. John Fernandez scouting Borja Mayoral, 22-year-old Spanish striker on loan at Levante from Real Madrid. Borja is currently Levante's second leading goal scorer with six goals in all competitions for 12th place Levante with the odd record of 10 wins, two draws, 14 losses. They do it or they don't. And <laughs> Borja has found the back of the net against both Real Madrid and Barcelona. There are worse teams to score against. There certainly are. James Porter, it's him again, scouting Oliver Skip, the 19-year-old English midfielder for Spurs. James says... Skip made his fifth appearance of the year, starting in the FA Cup loss to Norwich on penalties. He was energetic defensively and efficient offensively in a rather lacklustre Spurs performance. Sounds familiar. Skip made a crunching tackle that started the attack that led to Spurs' opening goal via a corner kick. Jose Mourinho praised the youngster afterward, but the praise seemed over the top to James Porter as the performance didn't jump off the screen. 
Do you have a 3D television? That said, <laughs> considering how poor Spurs have been lately, perhaps the gaffer wanted to say something nice at the end of an awful match. We know that Jose Mourinho loves saying nice things, so it could well be. Uh, Cyrus Spencer scouting uh, Hiroki Abe, 21-year-old Japanese attacker for Barcelona. This is a scouting assignment fail. What happened? So Cyrus mm-hmm. signed up to support us. He yep. went to totalsockshow.com slash join. Then he emailed me and said, hey, can I get a player to scout? Uh-huh. Uh, one of the players I'd like to scout is maybe a young, a young Japanese player. Oh, boy. I found this guy who mm-hmm. had recently moved to Barcelona, mm-hmm. playing for Barcelona B, mm-hmm. didn't realize what had happened, yep. which is the contents of Cyrus's camera. Yeah. So, Hiroke Abe, a decent start with Barcelona B. Uh, saw him get four goals in 16 starts, 20 total appearances. See, you can see why I was impressed, right? Yeah. And then he just suffered a season-ending hamstring injury that required surgery. He'll be out for five months. I didn't know that part. I mean, to be fair, it, there's a decent chance that all of La Liga will be out for five months. That's so, there, at least there's that. <laughs> Thank you to Cyrus for that mm. scouting report. Cyrus, if I were, we've all, Cyrus and I have already emailed. I'm going to find him a temporary replacement player. All right. <laughs> a five-month replacement? Uh, yeah, alone. Um, Mark Canterman <laughs> is scouting <laughs> Christian Kappis, 20-year-old. You should be able to do, I mean, that's a lot of work for us. If we were at, like, an intern, you could, like, have a loanee if your player had a long-term injury, and then at the end of it, you could decide which one you're going to keep. Yeah. Like, similar to a club. It's like, oh, well, actually, the loanee played pretty well. I'm going to jettison the other one. But you have, like, a fun loanee. Like, maybe your loanee is, like, Leo Messi. Exactly. Well, that seems unfair. <laughs> Mark Canterman is scouting Christian Kappis, mm-hmm. 20-year-old American midfielder for Hobro. Uh, Mark says Kappis scored in the 59th minute of a 1-1 draw against Esbjerg in the Danish Superliga. The goal came from a give-and-go into the box, which Kappis slotted past the keeper. He's been getting a ton of minutes and showing great progress for a struggling Hobro side. Mm-hmm. That's why he wasn't allowed to play um, on the Olympic qualifying. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Patrick Delaney scouting Aaron Connolly, 20-year-old Irish forward for Brighton. Connolly only played 15 minutes in the month of February. Not ideal. Hasn't been in the squad since the 22nd of February, also not ideal. However, there are reports that he will sign a new contract, so I guess that is slightly ideal, although he's still not playing. He had that hot, hot start, right? He had that hot, hot start. Hot, hot start. And I was expecting more. Todd Ito is scouting Takafusa Kubo, the 18-year-old Japanese attacker on loan at Real Mallorca from Real Madrid. Todd says, young Take scored again in Saturday's match against Ibar, making it two goals in three games. He got the ball at the top of the box, facing two defenders, and somehow dribbled into enough space to fire a shot across his body that went along the floor and off the post into the goal. That goal gave Mallorca the 2-0 lead over Ibar. Ibar later scored an extra time, leading to a pretty epic scrum between Mallorca's keeper and Ibar players who were incensed he wouldn't give them the ball back quickly enough. All right. Um, we should say there's a decent chance, a possible chance, that Takafusa Kubo would make the Japan Olympic squad if the Olympics were to happen. I meant to note that. Yeah. Uh, as of now, Olympics still uh, on track, uh, and I think they're maybe possibly discussing contingency plans. That's like as much as has been reported. But if they were to make any decision, it would not happen until May. So for now, Takafusa Kubo can potentially look yeah. forward to playing in the Olympics if he makes a squad. And the, there's that side note that they sent the entire they sent the mm-hmm. U23 team to the Copa. America last year to get some big tournament experience. That would be a double bummer if you did all that long-term planning for not. And then there's also the US might get to that Olympics. Mm -hmm. But again, the Olympics are what, July, August? So it's far enough away that they don't have to make any decisions Mm -hmm. yet, I think, but it's definitely looming in the distance. Looming it is. Anything else, Mr. Grove? Just a thank you to everybody who sent in the scouting reports and a thank you to everybody who supports us by going to totalsoccershow.com slash join the money we get from the people in the scouting network it, it really is like the base money that keeps total soccer show going mm-hmm. and then there's gravy everywhere else but yeah. that's the base money it that's what got is. us to where we are it's what keeps the lights yeah. on pays the internet pays the tv bill it's what we rely on the most it is what we rely on the most mm-hmm. so thank you thank you thank you to everybody um who supports us indubitably 
<laughs> tomorrow. I don't know if I used that word right. <laughs> or Thursday. You're probably hearing this on Thursday because we're recording it late on Wednesday. It's Thursday right now. But is it? It is. But very late on, <laughs> much later on Thursday. Unless you have a time machine. We'll be back with a listener question show answering multiple listener questions mm-hmm. and a review of the US Women's National Team's She Believes Cup winning 3 1 win. Actually, it was 3 1 in the 93rd minute last got, time I looked. I saw them celebrating, so we got our trophy back. Spoiler alert. Against Japan. Mm-hmm. I always had the trophy. You did the whole yeah, time because England had it last time. Oh, okay, there it's, it is. it's called the Daryl Believes Cup. Pick a side. <laughs> I, Pick a side. I don't have to. My teams keep winning the She Believes Cup. Um, so we'll be back tomorrow with that show. Until then, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. 